You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. If you've reached the Locked On NFL podcast, the NFL flagship for the entire Locked On Network brings you your the top stories around the league from the local experts every day. Uh, of course, there's NBA with how we started. Just check it all out. It's really growing great, and I'm happy to be a part of it, happy to talk to you. Uh, as I mentioned on Friday, which coincidentally I had the Locked On Jacksonville uh, host, uh, Locked On Jags host on, I am heading to Jacksonville on Tuesday. So bringing you this Twitter session today on a Sunday afternoon. Bump Mark Schofield from Wednesday to Monday. I'll be traveling Tuesday and I hope to like give you one podcast from the hotel, but you might get none. Uh, you might get two. I don't know. I've already talked to Sando. I probably could get something to lined up with him. I just don't know how my family vacation's going, and I'm not going to break my back, honestly, to get you a podcast because there's not a ton going on, obviously, this time of year. Um, I did use our buddies over at Hotels.com, though. Today's show is brought to you in part by them, those guys. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. They were great for my stay, or for setting up my trip. Lots of questions from you guys today. Really good ones, too. So, there's a chance that I'll blend this into two shows. You know, maybe if I get down for, you know, a half hour or so in my hotel room, we'll go through some of these that I don't get to today. Um, the first topic, though... Several of you asked about it, and I think we need to really talk about it. And I mentioned it earlier, a couple days ago, is this Jonah Williams injury for the the Bengals. And let's go back two years. I mean, this Dalton and this offense were absolutely at their best when he was protected. You know, there was a year there where Whitworth, Zeitler, they had a good line, uh, healthy A.J. Green, a lot of talent around Dalton. And he was more than serviceable that year. I mean, we know that... As the down goes on, as the going gets tough throughout the down, really the worst Dalton becomes and his decision-making can fall apart and he's not the most gifted guy to begin with. So they let Whitworth and Zeitler go, which was a mistake. I mean, flat out. And they had drafted some dudes and those guys didn't work out. So what they do last year? I mean, not this past draft, the draft before. I think they were 10 and they moved to 20, or right in that neighborhood. I mean, they, they made a deal with the Bills to move from back in the first round. They pick up Cordy Glenn in the process, and with their pick, they take Price, the center out of Ohio State. So for the cost of their original first-round pick, they get a left tackle, who's a good player, and a center, who hopefully is a foundation piece for ever and ever. And at the time, they weren't that bad at guard. Well, maybe that's a stretch. So this offseason, they re-signed Bobby Hart, their right tackle from a year ago, which when they did, I kind of said, uh, can't you do better than that? I mean, I guess it's a bird-in-the-hand situation, fine. Um, hoping for more from Price in year two, that's understandable. Um, again, the guards were not so great. Uh, but then you draft Jonah Williams with the, what, 11th pick in the draft, a very safe, solid, good pick. And this new coaching staff, well, before we get to that, you then get better at two spots because they're going to kick Cordy Glenn into guard. 
Jonah Williams is going to be your left tackle. So you got, you know, the two guys you got for your first round pick, Williams, and some other dudes that aren't so bad. And all of a sudden, over the stretch of two years, it looks like the Bengals may have fixed their O-line. And as I've told you before, this new coaching staff comes from the Rams. The Rams stressed, you know, they put resources into their offensive line in a big way. Um, and I think Cincinnati was going down that path. I mean, even before they hired the new coach, which was the smart thing to do. And you got to know who your quarterback is. So now you lose Jonah Williams for the year in case it's the first you've heard of it. And a lot of those things crumble. I mean, now you still have Bobby Hart at right tackle. Glenn's your left tackle, and I'm sure he'll be fine there. But boy, I liked him as a guard with Williams as the left tackle, and now your guards are so-so, and you're hoping on Price, and yeah, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, it's like I'm not as excited. I mean, I know it's a, just a rookie tackle, but it has a ripple effect. And I've been telling you guys for a while that I think the Bengals are a sneaky offense. For your fantasy team, for production, I like the new coach. Um, I like, you know, I thought the line would be serviceable. I mean, I've been mentioning for a while, I think Boyd is going to be a lot like Cooper Cup and should fit in really well. And yes, it's a squint, but Ross and Cooks have some similarities. A.J. Green's a much better version of Woods, even at this stage of his career. And then Michael Higgins asked me, can you talk about Joe Mixon's potential this year? Because I think Mixon, with all respect to Gurley, he's better. I mean, he's more talented. He's a better receiver. I think he's naturally gifted. And that's not a knock on Gurley. I mean, Gurley at his best is a really, really good player. But we know why Mixon dropped in the draft. And by all accounts, he sounds like he's a better human being now. But I don't have a first-hand recollection of that. Or I don't really have a strong opinion about him as a person, but I love him as a player. I think he's going to be a Lev Bell, David Johnson-like receiver, and we saw flashes of that. I think that this new staff is going to adore the way he plays the game. Um, he may lead the league in rushing. I mean, you talk about potential this year for Joe Mixon. It's through the roof, and I don't do a lot of fantasy on here, Michael, but um, the consensus is in whatever order you want, Ezekiel Elliott... Kamara, McCaffrey, Barkley are the first four running backs picked for fantasy this year. I look at Mixon and say him or David Johnson, maybe Melvin Gordon would be my next choice in terms of how they're going to produce. I mean, so potential this year for Mixon is ginormous. I mean, it's through the roof. Um, that being said... I wish his O-line had Jonah Williams. You know, I mean, that's a blow. I mean, that, that that hurts the whole offense to me quite a bit and with a pretty serious ripple effect. And, again, that's putting a lot of stock in a rookie tackle, but that was kind of the beauty of Williams was of all these guys, I thought he had you know the least bust potential, started early at Bama, has position versatility, but start him at left tackle, see where he goes from there. You know, I mean, um, but that's a bummer. And... Unfortunately, that's how the league works, but most of the news topics we discuss in the coming weeks are going to be negative things like this Williams situation. On a little bit lighter note, um, Emilio R232 asked me, what type of beer do you prefer? Do you have a specific favorite? Um, most of these questions are football, but this one obviously isn't. It's interesting because I'm 46, so 
you know, college was a lot of Milwaukee's best. I remember my last year there, I thought I had big money. I was drinking Miller High Life 30 packs, cans. Um, at the fraternity house, like everybody else. And then, um, you know, basically, my buddies make fun of me because I didn't evolve with the beer revolution of all the IPAs and all the micro-brews. I started drinking wine and whiskey and stuff like that more than I did beer when I left college. And all my buddies, I don't know what's cool beer anymore. Like, I drink macro-brews. If I go to the bar with my buds... They always make fun of me. You're going to get something in a green bottle. I'm going to get Heineken or Molson or something boring. So I have drank a lot of beer in my life, don't get me wrong, but I don't know much about it anymore. And yeah, they, they'll be like, hey, sip this something, something, something. And I'm like, yeah, it's all right. But generally speaking, I'd be fine with a cold Miller Lite, you know, at the beach. Like I said, I'm going to the beach. I'm sure I'll drink some Corona I'll definitely drink some Red Stripe, some Modelo, that type of stuff. And that's my summer beers here if we have people over. Um, If I'm at the bar, like I said, a Heineken or something like that. So I'm not a uh, connoisseur by any stretch of the imagination. That is for certain. Um, Quick break here. We'll be back and have a lot more good questions for from you guys. My man GoPat79 asks... M-Dub, with the M NFL morphed into a passing league, will Emmett Smith's all-time rushing record of over 18,000 yards ever be broken? Thanks, Matt. I had never thought of that. I mean, I think it's a really good question. I mean, I don't know that it's DiMaggio's hitting streak or some of these unbreakable records. 18,000 rushing yards, though. I mean... Does a great back have to play 14, 15 years to break that and basically not miss many time, much time in that time frame? That makes it seem like it's pretty darn close to impossible, right? I mean, let's think about that a little more. Give me some feedback on it. I mean, look at the great backs in the league right now. I mean, I just mentioned those four guys that are going to be at the top of the list in terms of fantasy. Oh, they're not, I mean, they're, they're not even in the conversation. I mean, they're, they're so far away. And the older dudes, like a McCoy, I mean, a Shady McCoy or a Frank Gore, I mean, they're not going to get there. I mean, does Zeke Elliott have to play 12 more years or something? It's pretty amazing. And you talk about an offensive line and a system and a great player. That might have been perfect worlds colliding there in terms of Evan Smith and his production uh, the more I think about that, I tend to think that I have a hard time envisioning anyone catching him. I mean, it just is so far out of the out of the realm right now. Um, another regular, Joshua Silber, asked me, I thought your position on Cooper, he's talking about Amari, being on a Hall of Fame pace was a reach. With that being said, which receivers currently playing do we think should be in? Seems like between them, the Johnsons, I'm talking about Andre and Calvin, Reggie Wayne, Steve Smith, there is an oversaturation at the position. Yeah, he's right. It's a tough position to go. And I think I look at a guy like Reggie Wayne and think, he may be on the bubble. I mean, like, I would take both Johnsons over him. I'd probably take Smith over him. Um, First of all, I think you're right that I got a little aggressive there with Amari Cooper. I mean, he's still awfully young. But his production's not Hall of Fame worthy by today's standards. And that's going to be the key is 
you know, today's standards are changing everything. I mean, which that's why I'm doing this question after the Emmett one. Larry Fitzgerald's the obvious one. And Sando was funny the other day. He's like, Matt, tell me besides Larry Fitzgerald, who are some really, who are good old receivers in this league right now? There's, there's not a lot. Um, I absolutely think Julio and AB are in. I mean, to me, them, those two and Odell are the best receivers of this generation. You know, the generation after the guys you mentioned, the Andre Johnson, Calvin Johnson crew. And they're all-time greats. I think they're absolutely in. Um, it's going to be interesting, though. I mean, there's a, there's a good crop of young receivers. And by that, I mean five, six years in the league. I mean, Evans, Odell, guys like that, that are, to me, on the pace. But I absolutely think the rules for getting in as a wide receiver, the bar is going to go up. You know, like, Williamson, you always talk Steelers, but... Lynn Swan goes, and hit, go go back and look at Lynn Swan's numbers. I mean, they're pathetic by today's standards. I mean, he, you wouldn't want him on your fantasy team even. Like, oh, man, I got to start Swan this week. But he won four Super Bowls. He was a great player, but the Euro is so different. But even, you know, the 80s, the 90s, I mean, they're not putting up these type of numbers at all, of course. So I do agree with you that there will be a logjam at the receiver position more and more and more. And we're already seeing it. I mean, Tim Brown and guys like that didn't get in, you know, easily. So, and there's going to be some no-brainers. I think Odell will probably be a no-brainer, too, when it's all said and done. Like, I don't think a, an Edelman or a Welker is a no-brainer, but I think they're really good players. Um, I don't think they get in likely. Edelman's case is getting a little stronger, but they'd have to do a lot. Uh, speaking of Hall of Fame, it just ha so happens we have a couple of these. Joshua Silver writes this one too. Hall of Fame worthiness of these several quarterbacks. He lists Romo, McNabb, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Eli. I think I made my opinion on Eli clear. First of all, I think he's done. So I think his book is pretty well written. I think he goes. I would not get my vote. I don't think he's worthy. I don't think he was a good enough player. I thought he was too inconsistent, very up and down. Um, yes, he did some good things. I understand the rings, and the, he's the only guy on here with rings, so he belongs more. That means he's better. I don't subscribe to that theory. Cam Newton would have to do a lot more, and we talk about Cam a lot. His MVP season really stands out as wow. But I thought he was great last year before injury, and I do think his new marriage, assuming health, with Turner, will really go a long way and should extend his career if he totally buys in. But I look at the, the quarterbacks of this generation, and there's six, seven, or eight of them I would take ahead of Cam Newton for sure. I mean, I need at least five more Pro Bowl type years type, you know, from him type of deal. I think Ryan, I don't think people will agree with me, but I think he's on the tier right below. Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, you know, in terms of great players this generation. Not winning that Super Bowl hurts him. I mean, I just know that's going to affect his, his chances to get in. But he's a compiler. You know, we talked about the receiver stats. Go look how many yards Matt Ryan's thrown for. And if he plays another five years and is in the top five, ten passing leaders, I know that they're not their watered-down stats. I mean, compare them to Bradshaw and Stabler and guys like that. Of course, it's much different. But he's going to have a pretty impressive resume, especially if he can get back to the Super Bowl. 
I think his his story certainly is not written, nor is Cam's. But I think in the end, Matt Ryan will be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think he would get my vote, and I think he'll get everyone's vote. I'm a believer. McNabb, there's been a lot of talk about that. I think he's a little bit better than his general consensus is. People look at him as a little bit lower tier. I think he's a little bit better passer, playmaker than given credit for. But he's kind of the definition of the Hall of Very Good to me. And to be honest, I think Romo is too. I mean, you'd, you'd gladly take either one of them to be your franchise quarterback for a 10, 12-year stretch. You know, I mean, if one of those, if Trubisky or even Baker Mayfield or um, Lamar, any of these young guys have a McNabb-Romo-tier career, those cities should be very, very happy. I just don't think quite Hall of Fame. I mean, I just think there's better guys. Um, good stuff there, though, of course. Uh, this is a good one, too. George Maddox asked me, what's your view on the idea that coverage is more important than pass rush? As discussed a lot recently. And I asked, actually, go check my timeline. I wrote a pretty good article about this for uh, big, uh, great, great, big blue view. Um, it's a giant site that just asked me that question, so I wrote it up. And I understand the metrics. I understand Pro Football Focus. I think you can find it on YouTube. has a very good argument why just keep giving me corners. And it's a very strong argument. I understand that. But I want the big people. I really do. And I understand that you can negate pass rush by getting it out. I just think that if there's a Donald Cox, even Calais Campbell or Cam Hayward, I mean, just there's so many of these good players that line up between the tackles a high percentage of the time, or can bounce outside too, in Campbell's case, that that just affects quarterbacks more. You know, that they know they're going to get hit. They know that there's going to be instant pressure, that there's a disruptive person very, very close to them when they snap the ball. And some are quote, oblivious of pressure, but most really aren't. I mean, they know those guys are there. Not to mention, I think that, and this isn't what you asked me, and I understand that, you know, stopping the run, quote, doesn't matter anymore. But look at the teams with the best big people in the league lately. They've won a lot of games. You know, the the Saints, the Rams, the Patriots, the Steelers. I mean, they've been the Eagles. Those are the teams that have been the Super Bowls lately. You know what I mean? I mean, Patriots, Eagles, Patriots, Rams were some of the best linemen, 300-pounders, in the league. And and I had this conversation on SNR. I think the Steelers probably have the best group of 300-pound players in football right now. And that's an outstanding foundation to build from. And that also leads to, you know, I think that interior pass rush to me is is more desired than exterior pass rush. But I would rather have Fletcher Cox than any corner in the league. You know what I mean? And maybe the corner market right now is a little lighter than usual. I mean, there who's the best corner in the league? There's not, oh, give me Revis, give me Dion, give me Woodson, you know. Um, so, But I also think that's partially because the rules are harder on corners and you can get by with average corner play and a good pass rush. And I, I, I maybe I'm old school. Maybe it's, I, I need more to get turned around on this, but... If I'm building a team, I want big people, and ideally I would pay extra to get something along the Alabama lines. If I can bring 
waves of defensive linemen. If I can rotate five, six guys in my front, I'm going to wear down an offensive line that has to play every snap. I mean, by the fourth quarter, that's going to pay off. So if I'm a GM, I'm investing in linemen and pass rush more than I am coverage people. And I know that's not cool nowadays, but that's where I stand on it. So good question. That's probably a really is a conversation. Maybe I should have that with Schofield or Sando or somebody like that or have a pro football focus person on and just do a whole show on that. All right, we're coming down the home stretch here on the last segment. Uh, I've told you this before. It does myself and the network a lot of good if you get in your car and tell them to play podcast NFL on um, your smart device. That's a big help to us. Uh, Also, I have told you about Blue Chew before. Um, You can increase your performance and get your extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, folks, this isn't just for guys that can't perform. It's for any guy that wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, no awkwardness. Made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. So here's what you got to do. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On, all one word. It's going to cost you 5 bucks shipping, but that pales in comparison to what you're getting. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. A lot of Packers questions, and it's funny because a night or two ago, I was invited on ESPN Radio Chicago. We talked Bears, of course, and wrapped it up, and he kind of asked my opinion, you know, who's, kind of, I forget how he phrased it, but something along the lines of, so who do you see as, you know, the, the, the second best team in the, in the NFC North? And I said, eh, probably the Vikes. He's like, oh, really? I thought you might say the Packers. And I said, you know, you, you were just talking pretty highly of the Packers. I said, oh, I think the Packers are the best team in the North. And he's like, whoa, what are you talking about? How could you think that? The, the Bears are the best team in the North. I said, well, I really think those three teams are very much lumped together. And when I did my power ranks, I think I had them all right next to each other. But I'm not a big Cousins fan. I have lots more questions about Trubisky. I believe in this Aaron Rodgers fellow, and there's a lot of Green Bay questions here. And actually, this isn't a question, but Roy Tolbert says, you know, on my timeline, and when he heard me say that, he said, I heard that and almost crashed my car. The world just really loves Aaron Rodgers so much. You have people that really believe the Packers' defense will rival the Bears or the Vikings' D? Well, the Rodgers thing's legit. I mean, let's not forget who's was unbelievable throughout his career and was really good last year despite playing really beat up. So, um, you know, Joshua Carlson asked me, are the Packers due for a huge bounce back? I think so. I've been saying for a while, I think it's the most improved defense in the league. Yeah, I'd take the Vikings D over theirs. I'd definitely take the Bears D over theirs. But I think it goes from a liability to a top 10 group. Um, I think the Packers are in for a huge bounce back. And there's some more Packers questions here. Uh, Tyler Weber asks, wait, Weber, Weber, 
Is Devontae Adams a product of Rodgers, or is he an elite receiver by himself? If he was traded to the Dolphins tomorrow, would he be a significant difference maker? Yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. Um, very good player. Elite receiver by himself, no. Um, if we put him in a vacuum, I bet he'd be ninth or 10th on my list, something like that. Maybe we'll buzz through the league and just say, who's a better football player than Adams right now? And again, I love him. A lot of his production is based on insane volume and being kind of the only face in town. But he's earned it. Uh, I think he's a good route runner, a good separator, very reliable. Um, I don't see a lot of weaknesses. I think he can attack a defense at all levels. I think he's good fundamentally. I think he moves well, comes out of his breaks well. But I also don't know, is there a trait where I'd say, boy, that's his calling card. You know, like, A.B. coming out of his breaks is wow. You know, I don't know that Adams has a wow piece to him. So real quick, AFC East, there's no Patriot receivers better. There's no Bills receivers better. There's no Jets or Dolphins. Steelers, I'm not going to give Juju over Adams yet, but that's a conversation down the road. Beckham, yes. A.J. Green, yes, but I do worry there's a little decline there. So that's two. The Ravens, no. Texans, Yes, Hopkins is better. Is T.Y. Hilton better than Devontae Adams? I call that a tie. Very different. I expect huge years from both. Tennessee, I'm going to say no. Jacksonville, I'm going to say no. Denver, I'm going to say no. Tyreek Hill is better than Adams. Keenan Allen's better than than, than uh, Adams. A.B.'s better than Adams. So that's six guys in the AFC I would take over them. Adams and Amari Cooper, to me, is a conversation. I'm going to give it to Adams. More production lately, certainly more reliable. Washington, no. The Eagles, no. The Giants, no. Packers are out of the equation. Bears, I can't give you Allen Robinson, no. I like the Lions guys, but no. Um, I absolutely think Diggs is better. You know, I mean, Packers fans won't like hearing that, even though I've been saying a lot of good things about the Packers. Thielen versus Adams. I think I'm going to give Thielen the nod, but barely. Evans versus Adams in the South. Evans barely. Sorry. I just think he is. Carolina, no. Um, New Orleans, Michael Thomas, yes. And Julioza, yes. No one on Arizona. No one on Rams. No one on Seattle. No one on the Niners. So... You do it like that, I would say Adams is my we're like 12th to 15th best receiver in the league. Something along those lines. Um, so, great player. But that kind of goes back to like that conversation about Hall of Fame receivers and a, a, a trend of this conversation so far. I mean, being really good is great, but it's hard to be elite. You know, use that word elite. And that's when I take a step back. Or, again, if Adams were... Traded to the Dolphins for their first-round pick next year. Totally hypothetical. All of a sudden, do you want him on your fantasy team anymore? You know, like his fantasy stock. It's not all about fantasy, of course. You know that better than me. But I bet his production dips by 20%. You know, that there's just not much around him. The line's not there. Everyone's going to focus on him. He gets a lot of focus anyway, of course. But being where he at sure helps. And that would be, this. I mean, for a lot of those guys, too. If you took Michael Thomas off the Saints and stuck him on the Dolphins, his production goes down 20% too. You know, I mean, so Adams isn't alone in that situation. 
But good conversation, folks. Um, again, I'm going to talk to Schofield tomorrow. Didn't get to a lot of your questions, but this was fun as always. Over and out.